Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's start tonight in Acts chapter 1. I'm going to talk to you about the power of the Spirit. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus, after his resurrection, has, been, has spent uh, the better part of 40 days with the disciples, showing them many times, uh, well, every time that he appeared to them, he showed them that he was alive. But he tells them in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the world or the earth. Now, I'm going to ask you to turn back a page or two to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 19, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. This is the first time he's appeared to his disciples as a group. He's uh, already appeared to Mary Magdalene at the the, uh, graveside at the place where the tomb was. And reports have come to the disciples about Jesus being alive. But this is the first time that he shows up uh, as they're all together grouped up. Verse 20, And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he said this, notice verse 22. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now I want to ask you a question, folks. If Jesus appeared to you and said, Receive the Holy Ghost, would you expect to get something? Maybe we should ask that question the other way around. Is there any way that this would make sense if they didn't receive something? Why would Jesus say it that way unless he intended to give them something? Well, he did give them something. He gave them the new birth. Notice verse 23. It tells us the connection with receiving the Holy Ghost. He said, whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted. Periods of time with them. He's about to leave them and go back to the Father. But he tells them something to do before he leaves. He says, but receive power. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Notice there's two works of the Holy Ghost for the believer. One in connection with the remission of sins and one in connection with power. See, if these guys weren't getting something different in Acts chapter 1, then why is Jesus explaining it in such vivid terms? These are the same ones that he breathed on. Count Luke chapter 24, verse 52, I believe it is. It says that after Jesus appeared to them, and according to what John tells us, breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost. It says they returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were openly in the temple worshiping and praising God. Well, what happened? What changed? In John chapter 20, they're behind closed doors for fear of the Jews. Luke chapter 24, verse 52, tells us they were openly in the temple. They're not afraid anymore born again that had been commissioned he's already given them the great commission go into all the world and make disciples of all men he tells them he'll be with them to the uttermost parts of the earth but before they go he says they need something else they need power again verse 8 of Acts chapter 1 but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the, of the earth. Now skip with me over to chapter 2. Beginning in verse 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, 
They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. Verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. God didn't leave any of them out. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What's the evidence of the new birth? Well, Galatians chapter 5 tells us there are nine uh, fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance. Well, we expect that same fruit to result when we get born again, don't we? We expect that same change to be made on the inside of somebody that commits their heart to the Lord and accepts what he's done, accepts him as, as their Lord and Savior. Well, if we expect the same results of the new birth, why wouldn't we expect the same results of being filled with the Spirit? And here it is. They were all filled with the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, let me ask you a question. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you'll receive power. Here it tells us that they spoke in tongues. Did Jesus misspeak? No, what most of the church world hadn't uh, discovered or identified yet is that speaking with other tongues is what makes the power of God available. Now, why do we want to do that? Why is that important? Why is that so significant? I like the way John Osteen used to say about this. He told them, don't even think about having church without the power of the Holy Ghost. Well, having church doesn't just mean what we think it means, what we're accustomed to now being church services. For them, it had direct connection to the, uh, the Great Commission. That's what church would have been for them, to tell people that Jesus was risen. And Jesus said, you need the power of the Spirit for that. You need the power of the Holy Ghost. So when the Holy Ghost fills them with a great display Sound of rushing mighty wind comes through the place where they're, out, where they're sitting. Cloven tongues as a fire sets on each one of them. Now, folks, in, in uh, Jewish history, fire coming down from heaven was not that uncommon. Well, maybe that's not a good way to say it. It makes it sound like it's happening all the time. But they were accustomed. The Jews were accustomed to the fire of God falling upon sacrifices. The Jews were accustomed to historical accounts, if nothing else, of places where the Holy Ghost fell or the power of God fell as fire and burned up and consumed the sacrifice that was being offered unto them. Now he falls on the people. It's not about the sacrifice anymore. It's about us committing our, our hearts and our lives.